Oh, it's so cold, mate. That's why I'm wearing like the hoodie. Yeah, I'm just like it's it's time to sit in my Udi once again. And please, like, dear Udi, if you ever see this, please send just, us free like, stuff. Send us some more free ones because my dogs keep using them as beds, and I really don't have the heart to like rip them away from them anymore. Not so actually, you've got like dogs who like the uh, the short fur. So if you get fur in them, it's those tiny mm. little hairs, like when you get a haircut. Yeah, it's like they're constantly just being washed because like. Yeah, there's just dog hairs all over them all the time. So, you know, send us some more, please. That would be great. So, what, what, here's the thing, though. An Udi, it's not... Um, uh, what's what's the, like, the one that everyone knows? Like that the thing on the internet that went viral? Oh, I don't know. But it's like, do, do you know what you wear? But I think it's you who just told me it's a backwards dressing gown. Oh, like the uh, the slanket, was it? The when slanket, yeah. People when used to like, use them. And then the Udi, though, it's different because it's just a giant... It's just a hoodie that goes all the way down to your knees, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So if any guys out there have seen a, your girlfriend or a girl just wearing like a boyfriend's hoodie and it's like goes down to her knees, that looks so comfy. The Udi's for you. This isn't sponsored, but it you'd really? like it to be. I want one. <laughs> I would love more. I'll, uh, I'll never forget when someone pointed out to like the slank. It's not a slank. There's a specific name for it. There was Brad, like, the, I remember there was, the, I think it was the slanket where it was like the, the, the blanket with sleeves. Yeah, but then there was like, there was another name for it. Hmm. But yeah, Snuggie. like Snuggy. That was it, Snuggy. Oh yeah. The Snuggy. I remember when Snuggy went super viral and everyone's getting one. And then it was you who pointed out it's just a dressing gown you wear backwards. <laughs> and it's like, it is, and they charge you like 50 quid for it. It's just a dressing gown, but you wear it the other way around. <laughs> it's but... so stupid. Like someone sold that. They just took something that already existed and sold you it back to front <laughs> and made money to do that. You know what? Fair play, that's a game and a half that is. That's business. That is. They noticed a gap in the market, and that gap was apparently this bit here. I need to cover in. <laughs> That's the thing. Is like, I'll, I'll happily shit, but you know, we're not sponsored at the moment. I would be. That's the thing. Do you know what I say? Like, this isn't sponsored, but like, that's the thing. Marketing experts want. They want people to just unironically say this product is great without prompting or payment. Because that you cannot ask for better marketing. Yeah, than that, that's the than thing just we've got to do. Earnestly saying it's a great product. We've got to like instead of saying that it's great, I've got to like hold an Udi like hostage and be like, I'm going to give this a shit review on the podcast if you don't sponsor mm-hmm. us. We've got to figure a, this out, Carl. There's just those like handful of products where it's just like you give it a good review without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it reminds me a little bit of Johnny Rotten, like, you know, from. Oh, was it now? Sex Pistols, I think it was. He was in think like, so, one of those yeah. punk bands. One of them. He was advertising butter, Lurpak. Oh, okay. and he got criticised for it. It's like you're supposed to be punk rock, right? You're the symbol of punk rock, and you're advertising fucking butter. Mm-hmm. And his response was, "Well, who doesn't have butter on the toast? <laughs> Every punk I knew had fucking butter toast. Also, it's a British product. Mm-hmm. What's the problem here? Also, isn't like, do you expect like... me to just not eat butter? Do, that... do punk rockers not eat butter? Surely it's quite like a punk thing to be taking money away from big companies. Yeah. Hey, Rage Against the Machine. Simon Universal. But um, I know it's not actually punk. Don't come at me in the comments. But anyway, like this is the Wiki Weekdays podcast. As mm-hmm. always, I'm your one of your co-hosts, Lucas Holland, and I am mm. joined by the lovely Snoot and his pet, Carl Smallwood. I'm loving that this is becoming like a permanent feature on my streams and videos now. Because it's just, it's such a satisfying shape for a stuff like what It's, just, it's mm-hmm. so perfectly stiff and aerodynamic. I love it. So, yeah, uh, definitely, you know, our favorite co host of all three of us, Snoot. Mm-hmm. But Snoot doesn't have any wikis for us. But of course, Carl and I, as always, we do. And yes. both Carl and I will be presenting a wiki entry for you. Mine might not be from a wiki this week. 
but okay. it's an article online and I'm I'm making sure that works because it's our podcast and we can do what we want. Do you know what? Yeah. We what, fifty episodes in? Well, like thirty, I think. There we go. We can start variations on the format. We can indeed. But either way, regardless of whether it is a wiki or not, you need to let us know which wiki won this week. This week. And that just means, you know, let us know in the comments at the end of the podcast which article you think brought the most interesting discussion to the podcast. Not necessarily a thing that is the thing you like the most, but which one do you think inspired the best discussion, was the funniest, or just, you know, you personally found the most enjoyable? Yes, and... You know, you can find us on all podcast services, I believe, at this point. And, of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you get to see Little Snoot over there with Carl. That's the one. And you get to see, you know, my my Wiglet-Stitch combo in the background, just like... I've got a Wiglet as well. Little Bell. (laughs) The Wiglet... Just behind the Snoot. The Wiglet Warriors, as we are known. That's the one, touching our Wiglets. But, Carl, let's crack on. What article have you got for us this week? I've got a pretty basic one, but you know, Luke, I love me some terrible television. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, this is what I love me, some terrible TV. <laughs> and I thought I'd bring in a British staple. Okay. And and that's like, you know, both literally and figuratively, because the things covered on the show are staples. And that show is Ready, Steady, Cook. Oh, as in, like, cooking staples. Yeah. I was thinking, like, stapler staples. And I was nope. like... But, so yeah. Do you remember Ready, Steady, Cook? Because I used to love watching Ready, Steady, Cook as a kid. Ready, Steady, Cook. Was that the one that Ainsley Harriet did? Yes, Ainsley Harriet. Yes, yeah. Um, I vaguely remember it. And please tell me, unless you've got like, your wiki's um, uh, got a more meme-worthy image, for the thumbnail for this one, you've got to have the Ainsley Harriet smiling one. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just such a, like, you know, a happy, approachable-looking guy. And mm-hmm. I found out Ainsley Harriet was in, like... A comedic music group called the Calypso Twins, oh. where it's just like um, Caribbean music, where they both just like like shake maracas and dance, and then he parlayed that into being a celebrity chef. That's how he got his fame. That's how he got his fame. Yeah, he was wow. um, part of a comedy dance group called the Calypso Twins, and that's like that's like when you find out that like, Gordon Ramsay was a footballer. Like, Gordon Ramsay was a professional footballer before he became a chef. You're like, wait, what? I knew he liked football. I didn't realize he like actually got paid to play football at any point. He had a trial with, like, some Scottish Premier League team. And oh, then he, okay. had, he, he had injured his knee and had to go to Culinary College instead. That's, that's a thing. Became a chef. It's what, like, what a journey. You know, it's one of those of, like, it sounds way more impressive than what it actually is when most Scottish League teams are, like... Maybe, maybe we'll say, like, a rung below what is uh, considered top tier. But obviously there's, like, there's Celtic and Rangers, but... Yeah, I don't want to... Don't come after me, Scottish football fans. No, it's less thing. Scotland has a great footballing pedigree. Mm-hmm. Just maybe not in the same vein as the UK. England, The rest of the UK, I should say, like England. But that's because, like, the English clubs are owned by fucking multi-billionaires from foreign countries who just buy all the best players in the world. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, a lot of the big Premier League teams have become, like, these massive teams because, yeah, someone's just come in, like, a fucking oil baron and just bought a bunch of people for them. Yeah, but you know, we're not talking about we're talking about ready steady cooks. If anyone out there doesn't know what ready steady cook is, Ready Steady Cook is a BBC daytime TV cooking game show. It debuted in October of nineteen ninety-four and airing all the way till two thousand and ten uh, before being rebooted with a new host. And the programme was originally hosted by Fern Britain until oh, right, the two thousands. Okay. Uh, when celebrity chef Ainsley Harriet became the new host in two thousand. And that's the thing as well. I just associate the show with him. 
and he wasn't even the original house. Yeah, and I would have thought that if it's like 2000 that he started, I would have at least like remembered Remem- seeing some episodes in the 90s when he wasn't presenting. But Yeah, you remember seeing it with like the other lady, but nope, just he's so synonymous with that show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when Harriet took over, the duration of the program was extended from 30 minutes to 45 minutes. So, and the basic format, do you remember the basic format, Lucas? Isn't it just like two amateur chefs compete like in kitchens to make better meals? It's not amateur chefs, no. So, the format of the show is two members of the public are provided um, uh, with a budget which has increased over the years to like reflect like you know inflation mm-hmm. and they give them to two celebrity chefs and the celebrity chefs have to create the most interesting meal they can with that like bag of groceries and the member of the public who comes in will help them but the celebrity chef will like you know basically coach them through it and says essential ingredients such as so staples bread milk eggs etc and herbs and spices oils butter that sort of thing are provided by the show. Uh-huh. The problem is, though, is that it's one of those things where when you look at it and you go, well, look, okay, yeah, they paid five pounds, they brought some chicken and a bag of peppers in. Mm-hmm. But if you look at all the like to have a fully stocked kitchen to actually like, you know make the dishes as shown on the show would cost a fortune. Yeah, you look at all of like the extra herbs and spices and as just all of the staples that you would get, like all your onions and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, like. All of that starts to quickly add up. And that's one of the things I thought we could talk about this today because cooking shows are, like, you know, I, I don't cook very much. I can cook. I have the ability to. I took a couple of cooking classes. I, like, throughout the pandemic, like, watched all the videos. When I first went to university, I think I told the story of I had to learn how to boil an egg because mm-hmm. I, I, everything I ate was tinned food. So I do know how to cook. I just don't have the inclination to. So while I can cook, I just... It, I don't want to spend the time cooking a meal, especially considering I've lived on my own for like the majority of my adult life. So yeah. I really have I I I prefer very simple, wholesome food. So I never really have the desire to cook anything fancier, even though I could, because just I would much rather have like a simpler, more wholesome meal. And that's the funny thing is I always joke that like if it weren't for the fact that I lived with my partner, like she would uh, she inspires me to like cook because like I want to make something nice for her. But if it was just me living on my own, I'd be like full gremlin mode, just like you yep. saw me when I used to live on my own, Carl, and I just yep. like literally just ate ha- like straight out of just a cereal box, just like dry shreddies were yep. my staple food. Yeah. Oh, it's like the thing is, I do eat quite. I have a varied diet. So I mm-hmm. have lots of fruit, lots of vegetables, a protein shake every morning. I do when I make I'll have like stir fry and stuff a lot, so like lots of like good healthy vegetables cooked in a very light way. It's just that like when I have a stir fry, it's like the entire bag of stir fry in the bag, and then that's it. And then mm. it's a little bit of oil on top, and that for me that's fine. That's a meal. But other people about like, well, where's like you know your protein? It's like well I've had a protein shake and some yogurt. That's my protein. Yeah, it's um. One of those of I wasn't implying that you lived in gremlin mode or anything, but well, I, that's the thing. I, I look like I do because it's like the joke is I always have beans, <laughs> but beans like you know it's a comfort food for me. Because when I was a little mm-hmm. kid, that'd be like the treat we'd get of like you know, and it's you're looking back and it's like it wasn't a treat. It's that like my parents couldn't afford any better, but the fact they did that parent thing of like you know dressing it up a little bit so you feel like it's like ooh you know you can grate a little bit of cheese on your beans on toast tonight, and it's like yeah, it feels like a treat even though it's like well it's a little bit of cheese and. 50p worth of beans on two slices of bread. That's not really a meal, but it was a meal to me, damn it. Yeah, it's um, one of those things of like, because my mum always used to 
just um, do sprouts like she used to boil them in a lot of sugar, yeah. so that it Bless would take mom. out she like mum's done like cocktailer. Um, no, no, like it it was nice, like in a nice way, and it made me view sprouts as like the treat vegetable. Oh, because she just it was just like because she cooked like not cooked it, she boiled it in like sugary water. It, it mm-hmm. tasted sweet instead of bitter, and I always associated that with like the roast dinner and like oh, every time like sprouts came out it's like oh yeah sprouts and it's like but you look at it it's fucking sprouts they're not exactly exciting but because like, they are nice. the way they were cooked and the way that you know my mum presented them as like the treat like yeah we uh we got a bit yeah. excited for them and it's something i've talked about in the past and it's something i'm very very um uh like passionate about is i hate the stereotype of british food being bad because British food is simple because we're an mm-hmm. island nation and we have access to all the staples. And if you go look at something like, you know, the like steak and kidney pie, mm-hmm. that's a really good, wholesome food. And like a good pie, a good chicken dinner. Like, you know, just good, like even just something as simple as like mashed potatoes, like good mashed potatoes mm-hmm. with like plenty of butter and um, uh, salt is really good. Or bread and cheese. Yeah, like, like, we that's have, like, really, like you know, really nice crusty bread with like you know a really nice um, strong Stilton or something like that mm. dipped into like a little, also like some fresh like um, uh, butter, that really fancy butter you get from Marks and Spencers at Christmas, <laughs> and you just put a little bit of it on some like crusty bread straight out of the oven, and it's perfect. I think a lot of people get confused because like they're very, they can be very simple meals, and if you cook them in the traditional way, but yeah. like the. It's hard to like have many cuisines I can think of that are as comforting as British meals can be if they're done well. It's all, it's all starch, not, isn't like, it? Yeah, it's it's starchy, warm, like cozy food, but a lot of it is not, you know, as fancy or impressive as say like Italian dishes or like That's French it, even cuisine Italian or whatever. Dish, Italian dishes are really simple. Pasta and oil. But they they seem fancier. A lot of yeah, the time, like, and often presented a lot fancier as well. Yeah, because that's the thing I say, like, you know, because if you ask most countries, like, people from the country, they'll say, like, you, they'll, obviously there's the fancy dishes, but mm-hmm. most people, like, when you ask them, like, what's the thing you'd want to, like, you know, the hearty dish that you'd want as comfort food? For, like, Italians, it'd be pasta. For, like, you know, for uh, French, it'd just be, like, you know, some brie or something like that, something very simple. And it's like, well, how is that any different from, like, you know, bread and butter? That's the thing, is, and like... I think people make joke about that. Have they ever had really good bread and butter? Mm-hmm. Like... You know, what's I know there's a big difference, don't come at me, but like in terms of like, oh well, it's a comforting, messy food. Think of like lasagna compared to like a British equivalent, maybe like a I shepherd's don't know. Pie. I was gonna say like a cottage pie or a shepherd's pie or something like they're both, you know, stacked meals that you whack in the oven and cause a big mess. Like they're not fancy foods, but no. they're very comforting. Yeah, and um, the the specific thing that I get really frustrated by is, like, you'll see it all the time online. And they'll be like, you know, Britain conquered the planet for spices, and they never use spices in their food. And it's like, people do. But the dishes, they always sing, like, beans on toast or liver and onions. Well, they're dishes that are made by poor people. Like, I grew up mm-hmm. on a council estate, like, beans on toast in my state. Do you know why we have beans on toast? We didn't have something fancier. We couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. I remember because my ex was American, and she couldn't believe this. She was talking about, well, spices are so cheap. Like, she says, like, you know, Indian families and stuff can afford spice. Yeah, because they live in India, where they have spices. And, like, when you have, like, the local areas in the UK, we have, like, Bangladeshi families or West Indian families. Normally, they have shops that sell those spices. But 
my I t- my mum didn't know what the fuck any of these spices were, and I showed mm. her. I went on to like Sainsbury's on the website. Look, one one jar, hundred grams of paprika. So you say like put egg paprika in your eggs. Okay, so one jar of paprika, one pound fifty. For that, you can get two tins of beans, a loaf of bread, mm. and like you know the ve- like the Sainsbury's basic um, uh, like vegetable spread, mm-hmm. which is meals. Not good meals, but meals. For like if you've got two, three kids at home, that's meals for three or four days. For yeah. less than it costs for one pack of spices. And it's like, it's not that we choose to eat like that. It's that we have no choice. Yeah, and, you know, obviously that's and, like... But that's why it pisses me off, it's, it's classism. Being so a you're basically family, making yeah. fun of poor people for not being able to eat good food. It's like, And when I did the same, like, what well, like me saying, oh, a grilled cheese sandwich is shit. Why the fuck are you eating that wank? It's like, well, no, a grilled cheese sandwich is really important. A lot of people... Mm-hmm. it's the only thing it's comfort food so exactly it's all you had and you made the best of it yeah like people aren't sitting here in britain eating like beans on toast as a nice fancy meal every day like it's not the top of our cuisine or anything it's just no, it's a really a, cheap basic thing that was easy to make it's a basic staple that it's like a jam sandwich mm-hmm. and it's like say if you said to, you said to an american who'd make you fun of british food like well peanut butter jelly sandwiches are shit they go no they're really i remember having them as a kid you know when we couldn't afford anything else exactly <laughs> i think that's well, kind of just... oh sorry oh, go sorry. ahead because then the fun thing is as well do you know the reason why british food is so bland this is this is a real thing so um initially in history like um, when Britain first started, like you know, raiding the corners of the earth to get spices and sugar and stuff. Sugar and spice became a symbol of being rich because you can afford to put sugar in your dishes. Because mm-hmm. sugar, and that's why, like you know, things like pineapples were seen as a sign of wealth because it's a very sweet fruit from that costs an exorbitant amount of money to obtain. When like you know, shipping and stuff became a lot more commercialized. And the average person on the street could gain access to things like spices, salt, sugar, uh, more exotic fruits. Rich people intentionally start eating more basic foods and start, and their justification was, well, it requires a more refined palate to actually, t- and that's why I like things like goose liver pate and stuff like that, these very basic ingredients or cucumber sandwiches. Mm. You might think, well, it's boring. It's just fucking, it's water on bread. <laughs> and then but rich people ate, ate it and they convinced themselves that now only the refined palate can truly taste oh, fucking uh, this stuff. And that, and obviously because throughout history, the way rich people do things tends to like, you know, then the middle class people try and like keep up the Joneses. Mm-hmm. And then it goes down to like people on the base, like, you know, in the working class. And that's how like bland food became so associated with Britain. Because it was our upper classes got annoyed that poor people could afford to eat like them. And just start intentionally eating shit food and saying, no, you just you just don't get it. Truly cutting your nose off to spite your face with that exactly, one. Exactly, yes. But, you know, bring it back. Sorry, what are you going to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, as well, I just think a lot of uh, British people, you know, for a long time, myself included, are not very good cooks because we don't traditionally get taught cooking in school or anything no, like that's that. that's why I had to teach myself, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I've so worked in, like, the- a... Five star kitchen for a while. A lot of examples are just yeah, like people haven't been taught to cook. So when you're straight out of like, you know, you go out of your parents' house at the age of now, probably like you know, you start your adult life at thirty nowadays and yeah. finally Th- move 35, out. Thirty-five, you finally manage to move out. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like you haven't been. You know, most people haven't been taught to cook at that point. And right, I, do, I literally have to teach myself to wipe, boil an egg. 
either you learn you get you know you get some cookbooks or like things like that um you know like again not sponsored but like getting hello fresh helped me out because it opened up like meals that i never knew how to cook like curries and stuff like taught me how mm-hmm. to make those things yeah it's like when i like kept making pasta when i was younger it's like why does my pasta never taste good it never tastes like it does and i realized oh it's because i'm just boiling pasta for like 30 minutes and then putting sauce on it and then just eating it mm-hmm. i didn't realize now you, you you boil the sauce a little bit and you add some like some spices some herbs a little bit of oil in there and then once you add your pasta make sure you salt your water always salt your water make mm-hmm. sure it's al dente you want that little bit of crunch in it because you want it to like you want the rest to cook off in the pasta sauce you drain off your pasta sauce and you don't smother it in pasta sauce you put a little bit in so it absorbs the flavor you, you you know you, know, you toss it through the pan with that, and then you put some like, herbs on top. Maybe serve it on the side, you know, like with some garlic bread or something like that. But, and that yeah. takes effort, and that's obviously a a skill you have to learn. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a lot of people may not be that invested in learning how to cook, even though maybe you could argue they should be, but it's just a lot of the time people just kind of go, well, I don't know how to cook. I'll just continue cooking my basic food that I know how to do. And that's why shows like Ready, Steady, Cook, I think, are like fun. Because they, mm-hmm. they teach the, the 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 basic premise is we're going to teach you how to make dishes. Like the idea is, it's like okay, this is what's in your fridge. Is a professional chef making something with it, and mm-hmm. we didn't even get finished with the format. So the two teams <laughs> designated as red tomato and green pepper, referred to as the red kitchen and the green kitchen after two thousand and seven, though the tomato and pepper motifs were kept. Occasionally, though, the permitted budget was increased. A so-called bistro bag for ingredients up to seven pound fifty, while the gourmet bag could have a value of up to ten pounds. On some occasions, they have used a £3.50 budget bag. And also, they've had the Lucky Dip bag, which contains 10 random items. And it's worth noting as well, that because this was a BBC-produced show, and the BBC is funded by taxpayer money, there was no sponsorship. So when you watch like other cooking shows, mm-hmm. like stuff like Gordon Ramsay has a lot of cooking shows, all those ingredients generally are provided by sponsors. And if you wait till the end of the show, you'll see a little thing of like, oh, considerations from this company for providing the ingredients and i remember i was watching like an american i think it was a master chef season mm. where they were like oh and here we have the budget bag to teach it like you know how to cook provided <laughs> by walmart and you're like and they say here's a steak from walmart and you've got no steak from walmart looks like that <laughs> and it's ostensibly it's ostensibly advertising for walmart whereas the bbc one because they can't take advertising money you'll have people bring in just their favorite brands mm-hmm like people, like if people want to bring in like a fucking like box of shreddies or something like that, or like you know a tin of Heinz beans, that's what they brought in. Oh, oh, like do you remember or no? Did they like do the the classic thing of like covering up all the brands so you don't nope. know? No, okay. Do you remember they had something similar with the show EastEnders because EastEnders is a soap of the UK again mm-hmm. on the BBC, and they had a few complaints because they said, well. When you watch a show and you can clearly tell it's been sponsored, of like, mm. oh, that company paid to have that here. And for example, like, you know, characters are using certain phones, and like, you know, you go into people's houses and they'll have like, you know, branded cereal on their shelves, mm-hmm. or like cereal from like, you know, own brands from shops. And there were complaints like, well, that's advertising. So like, it's not, it's real life. People buy brands in real life. Like, we're not being paid by <laughs> these brands. It's just it's representative. But, but, but yeah, like they, we feel like this character would have this brand of stuff on their shelves. They have to go to the shops. Mm-hmm. They have to eat to make the world feel lived in and believable. And it feels more; belie- it would be less believable if they had no branding. And because you even, like, you know, even if they were living you know, on the basics, like even like hands to mouth, yeah, went to like you know, as to Tesco, Sainsbury's, whatever, and get their own like, you know, 
Asda Basics brand or whatever they're called, like that's still promoting the supermarket and they're yeah, still branding for the supermarket. And those basics as well, they got me through university. I've told the story before, haven't I? My friend who um, did not get his student loan. And this oh, is really fun. Yeah. This, is, this is a true story. Um, he didn't know what a guarantor was because he'd never been taught. Ooh, so he didn't yeah. know what a guarantor So when they asked him on his sheet for when he was signing up to like housing, who's your guarantor? He wrote his own name. So he didn't know. And then when like, he didn't yeah. get his student loan and he went and they said, oh, we're going to have to go to your guarantor to get your money. Because people know what a guarantor is. When you sign for something, it's like, okay, if you can't pay for this thing, we'll go after them. And mm-hmm. they have to agree to it. And they just filed his paperwork, not realizing he was his own guarantor. So when he couldn't pay his rent, they chased him down for his rent. And to avoid any embarrassment, the student loans people were just like, oh, they, to avoid any embarrassment, the, um, the student housing people were just like, just pay us when you can. And that friend, for six months when he had zero money, every week just bought a tray, a little, you go into like, you know, Tesco, get their own brand mushy peas. And get a tray of those and have that with their own brand, um, uh, like potato croquettes and just any potato thing you could get that was on special. Mm-hmm. And then the cheapest, like, protein you could afford, like fish fingers, chicken fingers, anything like that. And just lived on that for six months because it's all he could afford. Yeah, I and, like you know, that, got, that got him through. Same thing, I'm sure everyone out there was in a student, like, you know, basic ramen. And as you get older, you realize you put bits of vegetables in that ramen, maybe some stock. You buy yourself, when you buy that first bottle of sriracha and you put sriracha <laughs> on fucking everything. Yeah, I remember like for a good portion of my like one of the years of uni where um, I didn't, like my first year didn't get um, a grant or anything. Like I was on like the basic lowest amount you could get. The breadline, yeah. My parents went to Costco and got me like a big, like, five kilos of rice or what mustn't have been five kilos must have been like 15 25. kilos or something it was huge one of those bags that you see like um uh them taking into takeaways and stuff like even like potentially bigger yeah and the size like, of basically food so many of my meals were just like literally boiled plain rice because i had no money i had literally yeah. no money and that's why i say it's something i'm very passionate about when i see people mocking british food you, know you can mock go mock goose liver pate yeah. One, because it fucking sucks. <laughs> I've had it. It's terrible. Because like I said, I used to work in a five-star restaurant. I've tried every fancy food there is. Mm-hmm. I've had caviar. I've had goose liver pate. I've had like veal. I've had uh, like, you know, venison and stuff. And for the most part, most rich people food is fucking shit. Like, they eat the garbage parts of the animal. Caviar because, like, you know, is just disgracefully bad. I'd rather eat the fish. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have the fish. And is the secret... Someone who works in one of these restaurants. Do you know why everything in a posh restaurant tastes nice? Butter. Mm. Every single dish, every single one was cooked in butter. Every single one. Butter and salt. And when I thought about it, I was like, well, why do I need to go to a restaurant and pay 30, 40 quid, you know, for a cut of meat, when all you need to do, apparently, is just put a knob of butter in a pan and leave it in the pan for five minutes and it tastes amazing. I mean, that's the thing, right, is the... The secret to most good tasting food is salt sugar and fat. fat. Yeah, sugar, like, fat, and salt. Yeah. It's why cheesecake is the best. It's like my absolute, my biggest, the thing I'm always like hankering for is cheesecake. I mean, cheesecake is the, per- they've done studies on this. It is the optimum blend of sugar and fat. Because you know, <laughs> if you eat too much sugar, you feel sick. Right. If you eat yeah. too much fat, you feel pogged. They apparently balance each other out. So a blend of both means you can eat them an almost infinite amount until you throw up. And cheesecake is noted <laughs> as being like the perfect blend of sugar and fat, which is why you can just smash so much cheesecake. 
Like cheesecake is one of those things that people can just eat near indefinitely without ever feeling sick because I, like the fat and the sugar content balance each other out. I do like a good cheesecake, but I just, I die on the hill that like they never make the biscuit base thick enough. Yeah. The thing is though, like, every Christmas for the like, past couple of years, I've like, I just go to a shop and I buy my, we buy all the, the fat. It's like when I live with my ex, mm. we just buy all the unhealthy stuff and say, fuck it. And I oh, buy yeah. myself an entire cheesecake. <laughs> I remember eating an entire cheesecake and then eating mac and cheese. And I was like, oh, this is it. God. This is what it's like to be American. The cheese. Uh, so tell me about red tomato and green pepper. I will. So the main course. So the chefs had to make several dishes out of said ingredients in around 20 minutes with the help of the contestants and the program's host. As the contestants taste and prepare the food, the host asks the chefs some questions about their dish. Um, as prior to September 2006, it was customary for the chefs to name their creations, which usually included a pun. And that was oh part of the God, thing. As well. it's, a very, no. it's a very entertaining show because like, Ainsley Harriet is a very, very like amiable person. He's a very good personality. Hmm. And one of the things that I liked about the show is, is because you really get to know people through food. Like food's one of those few things that you really get to know someone based on the food they pick. And I'll never forget the legendary episode where a guy comes in and only brought potatoes. And, the, and apparently there's an interview with him somewhere where he did it as a piss take where he found out he got on the show and his mates bet him to just take in potatoes to see what happened so he just went to the shop with his budget and just bought a tenner's worth of potatoes oh my and God. took them all and the thing is though the chef did a really good job the, the chef made like a really good like spread of potato and they like talked about how the people don't know potato is one of the most versatile oh, foods it's also yeah. really good for you because people think when they think potatoes they think chips or um uh, fries to Americans or crisps, which would be chips to Americans. Like potatoes are so versatile and so good for you. Like, they are one of the few foods on earth. Like I did an article on it a few years ago. Potatoes are one that if you ate nothing but potatoes and took a multivitamin, you could live indefinitely off that mm. because of the, they're so nutritionally balanced. I mean, what do they say, Carl? Boil them, mash them, put them in a stew. Yep. Yeah, one of the, but I remember that guy who just took in nothing but potatoes. That's you have some people, incredible. It's, it's so good. And then some people come in and they're, like, they're just like, they'll go to the shop and they're like, okay, I've got like, you know, a bar of chocolate. Like they'll just go shopping as if they're getting treats. Like it's got a bar of chocolate, um, <laughs> you know, pint of milk, all that stuff. It's great. It's, it's a really fun show for that. And it's one of those things like to see what the chefs do with it. Yeah, because it's always one of those interesting things where like, yeah, you could be a very normal person and be like, Tell you what, I've bought like chicken, pasta, tomatoes, and sauce. Like, d- make some pasta, and they can What's make it? some pasta because they're a celebrity chef. But like, but- bringing in like, yeah, I bought you a bag of sweets and a bar of chocolate. Like, what are you going to do now? And one of the things I like as well is the chefs, for the most part, would try and mix things up a bit. So if someone brought something in, I'm like, you can like a chicken. Because obviously they did an episode every day of the week. Mm. You can't keep. You can't make another chicken dinner. They have to do something fun and interesting with it. I always found that interesting of like, just to show people at home, like if you've got a chicken and some pasta in, here's a, di- here's a dish maybe you didn't know you can make. Here's a different way to cook it, for example, rather than go for the simple one. And here's the fun thing I like here. The preparations were voted on by the studio audiences who held up a card showing a red tomato or a green pepper. And I like that. They just hold up the card, <laughs> like proper Roman Coliseum style. I forgot about that. And this is why I love British game shows as well. And I hate the Americanization of our game shows, of like focusing on like big prizes and mm. stories. Whereas British game, I think the ultimate British game shows are Ready, Steady, Cook and Countdown. Because what's the prize on Countdown, Lucas, if you win Countdown? Uh, I 
I think it is literally just a countdown teapot, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, teapot is what you get if you win, and if you win overall, you get a set of dictionaries. Oh, okay. And admittedly, a set, a full set of dictionaries costs about three grand. But I can get them for free on my phone nowadays. Whereas, yeah. like thirty years ago, that might have been a way more impressive prize. Yeah, and it's like, the thing: it's the teapot is what you win. It's the experience of taking part in the show, and similarly. With um, uh, Ready, Steady, Cook, the winner we received a cash prize of £100. It's like this thing. You come on TV, you have a good, you have a fun day out, we give you 100 quid. We pay for, we pay for your trip here, put you up in a hotel. You, have, you get to be on TV, say hi to your wife and kids. You get 100 quid on your way. And then I hate the Americanization of like, you've got to win a million pounds. And we've got like, everyone's got to have a sob story. Why can't he just be like Jeff? Like from like Leeds, who just fun, who's like signed up for a laugh. Yeah, think about the like lengths and depths that people go to in come dine with me to compete for like a thousand pounds, and it's yeah, you know, a thousand pounds is not nothing. It's nothing to like you know sniff out. Yeah, we talked about it. we talked about it, didn't we? Yeah, but nowadays a thousand pounds doesn't realistically. It's not going to get you like a fucking house or anything. It's going to like maybe pay for like a bit of a vacation or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's it's the taking part, isn't it? And that's I hate American shit. Yeah. So I think. I don't like American shows like this. It's like um, MasterChef, where it's like, oh, what's the grand prize? A million pounds. And then mm-hmm. obviously that just makes people be act like assholes they want to win a million quid. Whereas like shows like Ready, Steady, Cook, it's just, well, you're here for fun. Yeah. And it's the thing of like, the more seriously someone takes it and the lower, the smaller the prize is, the more of a dick you seem to taking it seriously. It's what we talked about with um, Come Dine With Me of like, okay, yeah, it's a grand. That's a life-changing amount of money to a lot of people, but not the kind of people taking part in the show. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are all very comfortably middle class. And the fact they give such a huge shit is what makes it funny. Yeah, it's like a lot of them, like, you know, a lot of the people on Come Dine With Me have houses, which mm-hmm. if you're at the point where you have a house, like a £1,000 again, not a life-changing amount of money, but you see people, like, as I say, just get fully deprived, just yeah. competing for, like, more for the bragging rights than anything. Yeah, it's like I won Ready, Steady, Cook. And like I said, you get a mug and a, uh, all that stuff. But there we go. So the quickie bag section of the show would then follow and was introduced in 2000, the year Ainsley Harriet became a presenter, uh, having previously been one of the celebrity chefs on the sh- program. And I think that's why you don't remember Fern Britton, because he was such a good personality as a celebrity chef. He probably just overshadowed her tenure. Right, yeah. The contents of the quickie bag were decided on by a series producer and a home economist. Their decisions were based on produce that was currently in season, so things people might have in their cupboards or fridges at home, and or unusual ingredients that had not been featured on the show recently. So something that, you know, an ingredient that people might be familiar with but don't necessarily know how to cook, or just one that's not been on the show recently to just freshen up the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, that is the thing is, nine times out of ten, if you just ask people to go do, like, a shop for a tenner, mm-hmm. like... If you if you tell them to just go get like a food shop for a tenner, most people come back with the same kind of basic stuff of like, you know, chicken pasta veg. Like yeah, and that's why they tell them we've got the staples, we've got like pasta, bread, all that stuff. Go to get a few ingredients that you like to cook, and then mm-hmm. we say here for the quickie bag, and the chefs will then have to describe what they will cook using the ingredients, and audience members would vote on which they'd like to see. The winner then had ten minutes to complete the dishes with the help of the other chef and Harriet. The hectic preparation of the chosen chef's suggestion often include a slight element of chaos and ad-libbing because obviously they're running around, they've got 10 minutes to do it. Mm-hmm. A viewer question relating to a cooking problem is usually put to the chefs to further add to the pressure. So they say, like, imagine your oven doesn't work. How would you cook this? 
Oh my and God. you have the chef be like, okay, so you put, and that's the thing, like your oven at home might not work. Yeah. So yeah. how would you cook this thing? It's like, okay, you put it in a pan, put the lid over the top of the pan, create like, you know, a basically a basic like pressure cooker sort of thing. Just yeah, things, like, you know, they'd have to remember the answer. What's the problem you've had in the kitchen? Dull knives. Okay, you've got dull knives. How do you cook something with a dull knife? And they'll say, oh, you can use scissors like to cook like bacon, for example. I still remember not long ago when um, I pulled out a set of scissors to cut my pizza. And just, and do, my, who was my, it like someone watched friend, it? Was like, they were just, their mind was blown. My friend was like staring at me, looking really confused. And then like came came into the room with their own pizza a minute later. Like, why have I never thought to cut my pizza with scissors? It was so easy. I love those little things that where people look at you like an idiot and then they see how easy it is and go, why have I never done it like this way? <laughs> and I, I only learnt from like seeing a friend and having the same reaction. Just get your and scissors to cut the pizza. How many times have you had like that pizza cutter that's oh, just pizza so Pizza cutters dull. are so shit. They're not like, designed to cut pizza. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> it's like so many of the ones you just like, you know, get from the supermarket are just dull as fuck and literally just don't cut the, through the crust properly. So that's, I remember like just seeing like my chef when I was like working in that fancy kitchen and he was cutting chicken. He's had a big pair of fucking gardening shears, obviously clean and brand new and they were yeah, clean yeah, yeah. every day. We were just getting the chicken straight into the pan. Yeah. Just instant. Like same with like vegetables. Just so good. Well, you know, we've got some variations on the format to end on, Luke. So the mm. classic format, the classic bag, the original format where they brought a bag of ingredients costing five pounds. Imagine that today. So you've got one bag of Doritos and a vape. Uh, There's the budget bag, which had ingredients that cost up to £3.50, so not even a meal deal. Get Fredo for that. The bistro bag was £7.50. The gourmet bag was £10. The doubling up bag. So both contestants bring in the same ingredients. The host then used a coin or die with a green pepper or red tomato on it to decide which chef would decide what to do with the ingredients first. The other chef had to do something different. Which I thought was a fun concept. So, same ingredients, two chefs, different yeah, meals. I thought you were going to say, like, one chef picks which meal and they both, like, have to make the better version. Mm-hmm. But that's even more interesting is, like, no, that's what they get to, like, block out one meal. Like, yeah, the obvious sh- answer has been taken. What else do you do now? But then it shows off, like, the versatility <laughs> of food and the ingredients. We have Gamble Bag, where the chefs are presented with three mystery ingredients and are given the opportunity to swap one ingredient for a mystery ingredient. They do not have to swap. If they do, they cannot change their mind. I like that they introduce, like, the Monty Hall problem to the fucking Ready Steady Go. Yep. And then, Lucky Dip. The chefs were presented with a bag of ten items from which they had to pick five at random. After ten minutes had passed, they then chose a sixth ingredient, which, depending on what the chef had started cooking, can help or hinder them. So they could fuck each other up by giving them a bad ingredient they have to incorporate. Yeah, that's one thing I always like is... um, I can't remember which cooking show it was on Netflix. There's a lot of of cooking shows, and I've watched probably all of them. There's a lot, but um, there's probably multiple that do this, but like where they're like, look, you have to make some food in like this theme, but you have to pick one of these like shit ingredients or traditionally like not used ingredients and incorporate that into your your dish or whatever and it's like oh you know a bunch of like sweets or something like that or like food that you wouldn't think to to put in that kind of meal and it always just makes things a lot more interesting it's why i liked iron chef as well iron chef's one of my favorite ones you like the 
that really excitable Japanese dude where it's like, okay, and what's the secret ingredient? And he just does like the po- beer, and you've got to make it with beer. It's great. And I watched that, and I'm just sat there eating my like my ramen. I'm like, yeah, this is it. That's the thing. I love cooking shows, but I don't like cooking because I look. All I do is when I look at it, I go, this looks like way too much effort. <laughs> it's the way answer. too much effort for what That's they get. What I mean, out of it. when I'm like, I like cooking, and I like cooking for other people. But when I'm just thinking about myself, I'm like, well, it's way easier to just like, I need fr- make myself some instant ramen or something. I like again, I just I'd be full gremlin mode. The thing that absolutely just changed my life is when I started working out properly, and I realized literally the only thing that matters is, do, do you have enough? It's calories in, calories out, and then these three mm-hmm. basic things like protein, um, your vitamins, and your minerals. Mm-hmm. Though everything else is completely interchangeable as evidenced by the fact you've had people who've got like lost weight on like ice cream diets and McDonald's diets and all that good stuff. So the only thing that matters is calories in, calories out. Are you getting the vitamins and minerals you need to live and some mm-hmm. protein to your muscles to function, which can come from any source. Yeah. And like, then in which case, fucking have at it. Lit- like if literally all you give a shit about is losing weight and not having those things, like, yeah, as you say, it doesn't matter what kind of food you're having. If calories... Oh, exceed calories in, then you lose weight. That's how losing weight works. Yep. And then same thing, like as long as you have like, you don't have to necessarily have a balanced diet, just a diet that contains a balanced variety of things, mm-hmm. which is why they generally recommend a balanced diet because it's a lot easier to have like the daily recommended amount of like minerals, vitamins, and like, you know, get a good protein intake if you have a varied diet. And then opposed mm-hmm. to if you just eat like, you know, just bread all day. Yeah. But hell goddamn, yeah. I, I love cookie shows. I, I adore cooking shows and baking shows. Like, I don't like baking shows. So I don't. I don't. I don't eat sweets anymore. And it just make me hungry. So oh, I can't okay, have sugar. Fair. That's why yeah. I, have, I treat myself to one cheesecake a year and just eat it all in one go. <laughs> no, I, I I adore both, but like, I I do really enjoy it when they try to mix things up and make things interesting because, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a cooking show. But, like, there's only so much drama I can take from, like, a come dine with me before I turn off. Mm-hmm. But, like, when it's, like, an actual game show and they're like, oh, well, you know, make an interesting dish with these weird or wacky ingredients. I'm like, oh, no, now I'm invested. Like, a MasterChef well, like, yeah. one, where I'm, like, I'm less so into, like, MasterChef because that's just, like, make nice meals. I'm like, I want a bit of jazz and variation. I also love as well, like, cooking shows and nature documentary shows are, like, the justification all, is all the justification I need for buying my TV. <laughs> so I've got, like, a 4K TV. And I just remember once where just, like, oh, Netflix has, like, a 4K documentary on fucking mushrooms. And I'm like, let's go. And, and it's then, just four, it's 4K footage of mushrooms. And I'm like, this is it. And then it's this, this is, this is the future. like, shitty quality. It's like, goddammit. Like, that's, the, that's the one problem I have with, like, yeah, you can stream in 4K, streaming stuff. good luck. It's like, you can stream it in 4K on, like, gig internet that we have for, you know, streaming and stuff, but, like, even if it is, like, 4K, it's not true good 4K quality. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't care that much about it, but it's one of those things, like, just, there's something very visually, mm-hmm. aesthetically pleasing about, oh, like, there is. really nice-looking food being cooked in high-quality, like, in high-definition. Just, mm-hmm. like, Joe and like, just... The shot of like a stir fry in a pan being like, well, yep. like you're know, cutting peppers. And I guess it's almost like ASMR esque of like people cutting peppers and stuff like that. I mean, it's just high quality ingredients being made really well. Most of the time, it's why my TikTok feed is pretty much just food 
mm-hmm. because like you know the people who actually make the video as well and like have all they these nice shots talk. and stuff that's the thing they never talk as well I, I never I mean, want anyone making food to talk to me unless it's Gordon Ramsay. I, I watch more like instructional ones. So like mm-hmm. well shot instructional um cooking stuff on TikTok. Like that's mostly what I watch. But yeah, it's like it's just satisfying to watch people make food if it's like shot nicely and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you like I say go watch Gordon Ramsay's where it's shot like the guy's got ADHD. <laughs> like they do a cut every four seconds when they do the Gordon Ramsay one. And it's weirdly compelling. Because mm-hmm. like they film his, he films in his own house. Clearly, what they film in such a weird way of like, like he doesn't seem like he can sit still. Like, yeah. like Gordon Ramsay films these instructional videos like he needs he needs a piss and he wants to do it in ten minutes. <laughs> it's great. I mean, that sounds like Gordon Ramsay cooking. It does, yes. But Lucas, what have you brought for us? Well, um, I need to go get more drink, so we'll okay. find out after the break. But I will say to people, who, you know, want to come back in all of like ten seconds. It is also to do with British food. Oh. <laughs> so we've got a British food episode today. I guess so. I didn't realise that. That was not planned at all. I'm just gonna, I'll it get wasn't. myself a coffee and I'll join you in a sec. When we were talking earlier of like not having food, mm-hmm. I just went to pour myself some uh, squash and was yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of squash now. I need to go to the shop. Like, dear oh, God. Because no. that's the thing for me as well, because uh, I need to go to the shop and just get some chicken in. Speaking of protein... Mm-hmm. I've got all the. Do you know when you have all the basics in? Of like, I've got. So I want to make myself some wraps tonight because I'm mm-hmm. going to the gym. So I want. Some, I want some chicken, some light. So I get some wraps. But I've got. I've got all the salad in. I've got all like, you know the seasonings, and I've got all that stuff. But I just need chicken. It's like God damn, mm-hmm. I've not got chicken. Yeah, and it's just one of those things of like it's always so frustrating. But yeah, I figured uh, you know before we go into my wiki, we could just talk about whatever we need to plug this week and. I guess I'll start with saying that on Mondays, we are now doing Mass Effect Mondays over yes. on my Twitch yet again. It returns, um, yes. We have played through Mass Effect already, and that means we are playing the good one now, Mass Effect 2, which, you know, obviously some people prefer Mass Effect. For me, it's always been Mass Effect 2 is the one. Mass Effect 2 is the one that everyone remembers. Mm-hmm. Like Mass Effect 2 is probably the one where the format style and tone of the series was like crystallized and just became the most memorable and then like, like, it's the pinnacle of a series for the like for sure yes yeah f- for most people and like three in andromeda went like you know the wrong directions but we're you know we haven't got to them yet we're playing two the good one so mm-hmm. if you would like to uh join us over there uh be on my twitch uh legend of canto and we'll be streaming about like 10 o'clock every Monday, uh, going through that for a couple of hours each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, of course, like 10 p.m. UK time. Um, so hopefully, like, I, I tried to make it a bit later so that Americans can hopefully squeeze in as well. Um, but I'm aware there's a time difference that we can't necessarily get over. Um, but yeah, we will be streaming through all of the game eventually. And yeah, I'm just excited to get to Mass Effect 2 and have Mass Effect Mondays back. I just want that line of like, Shepard, you're dead. I got better. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> it's the best one. Like, hey, you died. I got better. And just blam, blam. Like the <laughs> renegade option to yeah, shoot them. And Carl, anything to plug on your end? I'll plug that as well. That sounds good. Hell yeah. Hell of mass so, effect. Let's get into my wiki then, Carl, which yes. is, as I said, not a wiki. It is the first thing that came up as an article when I searched for the best British biscuits. Okay, so we've done this before, haven't we? 
We've like I've, reviewed biscuits before, yeah. We've reviewed biscuits, but I wanted to see, like, I wanted to get violent today, and I wanted to actually come up with, like, our ranking of biscuits, because, like, it's, as I say, it's getting colder, and, like, I'm starting to, you know, be drinking more hot drinks, and, of mm-hmm. course, with those hot drinks, you need a couple of bickies to just you dunk need a biscuit, in. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, like, it's obviously something that many people in Britain are very passionate about is, like, what are the best biscuits? So I think that, like, I've got up this thing of, like, the top 13 British biscuits from biscuitpeople.com. The thing is, though, you could just go onto, like, Wikipedia and look up, like, I'm sure it was, like, a wiki on British biscuits, right? And we could just um, go through that and rank them, surely. Well, yeah, the I, biscuit. I, I just figured, like, this probably gives us a good starting point for oh, okay. what is considered, like, the best. And I, I thought, like, just let's make, like, a top five British biscuits between us. Okay, I'm seeing there's, there's like, an article on biscuits, but there's not, like, a... Uh, but a that's the thing, is, like, it, there, is, there didn't seem to be, like, just a list of Ooh. all British biscuits, and then... Oh, there is. Oh, okay, there is, but that, at but the same time... every biscuit ever it's made. It's every biscuit. It's, that would be every biscuit, and it's so hard to... Um, to narrow down because there's so many of them so i figured like try to get a list of like the top ones so that we have like yeah. a good jumping off point okay and, and uh, i already is... contend because it has here like the top five favorite british biscuits well, num- well number one's easy it's always the same I know. If, if the number one's not the one that i'm gonna say in like a second when you ask me to then this article is objectively wrong uh, the, the chocolate digestive. The chocolate digestive, yes. We had this discussion, didn't we? Of, yeah. The chocolate digestive is the best biscuit because it might not be everyone's favourite, but it's nobody's least favourite. I've never <laughs> met a person who doesn't like it. And that's the thing. And that matters for something. Mm-hmm. Like The fact that nobody actively dislikes chocolate. Like people dislike digestives. People dislike, you know, the, maybe they don't like milk chocolate. So maybe they prefer the dark chocolate ones, or if they're feeling so inclined, they, they are white chocolate ones and like orange chocolate ones. But nobody dislikes chocolate digestives. However, I'm going to say, like, to me at least, I would not put something in the top five for being, like, you know, bland enough to not offend anyone. Well, that is not, not positive to that's me. It's not, it's bland. It's that it's just universally good. I, I think cho- chocolate digestives deserve that because I, if you went out into a house when you had people around for a cup of tea and you offered them chocolate digestives, no one's going to say no. But that's that the thing counts, is like... That counts for something. It counts for something. But personally to me, if I was going to say like, what's, you know, if what's the top five video games of all time? I'm not thinking what's the most popular and least offensive video game. I'm thinking like, what's top fucking tier? You think is oh what typifies a video game? What typifies if you think in your head a biscuit right now? Don't lie, you think of a chocolate digestive. Only because the- it's like been yeah the chocolate digestive has rained on too long. Carl is what I'm saying. Well, here's the thing as well: there are variations on it, and the chocolate yes. digestive is good, but I think it has been improved. Yeah, but, yeah. but for example, the chocolate hobnob because the digestive is very like. So let's I guess first explain. Biscuits, cookies to Americans, like they don't, they normally have cookies and milk. Mm. And like, I guess Americans, they, they get cookies. So when we say biscuit, just think a cookie. Biscuit to Americans is very different. Mm-hmm. Like they're more like, um, uh, I don't even know what an American biscuit would be. They're, they're like almost doughy. Yeah. So, we, like, so Americans thinking like you dip biscuits in your tea. They, I don't think they have similar consistency, but they look like British scones. Yeah. So, but- yeah, so their biscuits would be our scones. So when we say mm-hmm. biscuit, think cookie. 
And when we say chocolate digestive, imagine a chocolate-covered cookie. It's not the exact same thing, but no, no. that's it, that's close to the ballpark. For like, so I've had this before of like biscuit, and they, they think the things are like scones. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing like when we say baked beans on toast. I think we had this in our group chat the other day. Americans don't get what baked beans on toast is because American baked beans, actually I have a tin of them over there. I got bought by my ex who was American. Mm. American baked beans are like smoky. They're a side, whereas yeah. ours are served in tomato sauce. Oh, so they're so a like, lot less, um, uh, not bland, but they're a lot less overpowering in their and flavor well, profiles. They have like, go with other things a lot better. Or baked beans are like harissa beans, which are different from the beans they use traditionally. Like when you think of like beans in America, and then yeah. all bread is a lot different because it's not a sweet. And it's just one of those things of Americans assuming their lived experience is the default. So when we say biscuits, we we don't mean biscuits as Americans will understand them. So think just mentally replace it with the word cookie, and you're in the same thing. I mean, you know, most people listening to this, if not everyone, has access to Google. You can Google what a chocolate digestive is. Lucas, how many times have we had, though, Americans give us shit because we say something and they assume that them as Americans are the default experience? (laughs) Like I said, I've had it. I get it a lot in the comments. They hear the words beans on toast, say, why the fuck would you eat that? It's like, well, maybe the beans that we're eating are different from the ones you have. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I will contest here, so I'll quickly list, like, well, they have us the top five favorites, and then they have a list of like, mm-hmm. I think what they consider the top thirteen. Yeah, so chocolate um, digestives number one without. But popularity-wise, like, chocolate digestives, shortbread, chocolate no, fuck, fingers, fuck shortbread, fuck shortbread. Oh, Carl, we're gonna get, we're gonna. Like, this is the thing we're gonna get into it. Because that's the thing that I hate shortbread. I love shortbread. You like it? I love shortbread. God, things. My family's Scottish. Or half right. Scottish, and every year we get shortbread, and it's just <laughs> it's so dense. And yeah, like I I get that it is, but like I mean, I normally have like shortbread fingers that aren't the super duper chunky ones. I prefer That's the, the problem, ones that yeah. are a little bit thinner. My mum gets the ones that are like you know three inches thick, <laughs> yeah. and you bite into it and you lose your teeth. And I will admit, because... like, good shortbread is nice, but I never pick it over a digestive. Oh, I would, oh, hundred percent. Good shortbread is way better than a chocolate digestive. That's the thing, but good shortbread is so much harder to find. Whereas it, yeah, chocolate digestives, you can get a, even the most basic, Sainsbury's basic chocolate digestives still taste all right. Yeah, and that's the thing is like if you buy like the dry, thick shortbread... It's, it's not good. It, it's not great. So like that's the thing is like, it gets dinged for like consistency. Again, and consistency counts. And of the one thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip on these articles and, like, these surveys and everything that you do, when they include number four, the Jaffa cake, it's, it's in cake. the name. It's it's a cake. It's a cake. It's not a fucking biscuit. So anyone out there wondering, like, why would we be so anal about this? Like, the government itself actually has rules in place to stop it. So in the UK, there is tax. There's tax mm. everywhere, but in the UK, tax is... Uh, a very strange beast. And some things are not taxed or are taxed at lower rates than other things. So, for example, uh, biscuits are... No, cakes are not taxed. Um, or they have less tax on them, whereas chocolate-covered biscuits are taxed at a higher rate because mm. they account as not a staple, but a luxury item. Right. So okay, a plain yeah. biscuit, if you sell plain biscuits, they are taxed at a lower rate than chocolate-covered biscuits, which is why, mm. for the most part, chocolate-covered biscuits cost more. And for years, Jaffa Cakes, they're generally sold alongside biscuits in the biscuit aisle, but they're taxed as cakes, which means that, like, you know, 
they're not paying as much money as they perhaps should if they were biscuits. So the UK government took Jaffa cakes, and McVitie's, I think, is who makes them, two cards mm-hmm. to say, to determine once and for all, is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? And you might think that sounds stupid, but keep in mind, there are literally hundreds of millions of like, pounds worth of sales of these things every year, which is potentially tens of millions of pounds the government is missing out on in tax revenue. Mm-hmm. So it's like there is a very good reason to determine one way or the other. And what McVitie's did is they baked a giant Jaffa cake, like the size of like, you know, a birthday cake. And they mm-hmm. showed people, well, it's a cake. And the way you prove this, and this is something I learned, is that a cake, when it goes stale, goes hard. A biscuit, when it goes stale, goes soft. And they bake this giant Jaffa cake and they let it go stale and show that it was rock hard, which means it is a cake. Yeah. Um, and as a result, doesn't is not subject to the tax levy that chocolate-covered biscuits are. And I and, love that. That's so and, fun. <laughs> As another result, Carl, it can't be on the list of the best it's, British it's, biscuits. It's legally not a biscuit. <laughs> it's disqualified. It, it, yeah, it sounds stupid when you say it, but it's like legally, for tax reasons, it is not a biscuit. And the mm-hmm. company themselves will tell you it is not a biscuit. It is often sold as one, and it can be eaten in the same vein as one, but it is very leg- it's very distinctly and legally not a biscuit. So the law is with me when I mm. say that it doesn't belong on this fucking yeah. list. But I thought I would clarify, because when you say it, people yeah. say, that's that, why would the government waste money doing that? It's like, because certain things have to be taxed a certain way. It's like, for example, we're recording, both. I'm recording on a Canon DSLR, like a prosumer DSLR. Mm-hmm. That can legally record for 29 minutes and 59 seconds. <laughs> no longer. And that's because it's a camera and not a video camera. And video mm. cameras can record for as long as they want but they are taxed at a higher rate because they are seen as being like, you know, just more for the, they are more for the, um, uh, the, um, the industry side than they are for the consumer side. So as a result, they're taxed for industry purposes at a higher mm-hmm. rate. So most prosumer grade DSLRs will record, but only for 29 minutes and 59 seconds. Yeah. And like, for example, that's one well, second you know, before the legal limit, before they will become classified as a video camera and thus be subject to a higher tax levy for import reasons. Yeah. And like, currently you're not recording you are just like your camera your camera feed is being picked up by your pc which is legally distinct from recording which Mm -hmm. means that it can do that forever legally i'm like legally this camera can do that but if it was recording to a cam a memory card inside the camera that would be taxed differently because technically, you're just capturing the preview of what you would be recording. Yes, and I'm, and if I did record it, like you are now, you're recording it through third-party software, which is um, allowed within the realms of the law. And again, this all sounds stupid, but these are the regulations that stop companies from ripping you off. Mm-hmm. Like for example, like you know, the example I like to use is sausage. Do you know there's a legal definition of what a sausage is? And again, this sounds stupid to like you just. What do you mean is the legal definition of what a sausage is? A sausage is a sausage. Well, no, the legal definition is that a sausage must contain a certain percentage of meat. Mm-hmm. And like I think the law is it has to be 40% meat and 60% other stuff, which sounds bad. But even, it a, good, sound bad, yeah. even a really high-quality sausage will be around 80 to 90% meat, and then it'll be seasoning, breadcrumbs, that sort of thing to give it flavor. Mm-hmm. And if that limit wasn't in place, then they could legally sell you like a sausage that was 10% meat. Mm-hmm. And there'd be no law against calling that a sausage. Same reason things like pies, pork pies, um, Cornish pasties, like foods that are from specific locations. Like champagne can only come from champagne, for example. Yeah. Um, and I always get pissed off when you hear people like criticize this sort of thing. Well, that's stupid. It's like, well, people smarter than you have probably argued about it in court, so it's probably not. So just because you don't <laughs> understand it doesn't mean other people don't. 
Oh, yeah. It's it's one of those weird things of, like, it's there to, to kind of help everyone. Of like, it's there to it's protect the consumer, yeah. there to help consumers, but also, you know, also the government, maybe, depending on, like, how taxes goes and stuff like that. And it's very complicated, but all you need to know is that Jaffa Cakes are not getting on the list. Yeah, and the thing worth pointing out is is that if these regulations weren't in place, you know for a fact that companies would do... like The fact that there's a legal minimum and companies mm-hmm. still like you know scrape alongside that shows that if it was lower, they'd make it lower. They'd put yeah. less meat in. Exactly. Meat costs money, Carl. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, So that's why they, these things have to have legal definitions. Like... I think the justification is when the consumer buys something like a sausage, there is a reasonable expectation of what that will be. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, that's why they have these legal mandates in place. Like, if you sell something as a thing, it needs to, for the most part, roughly conform to the average consumer's expectations of what that thing would be. Same thing of like why I remember it was when Brexit was happening, a push against Brexit was, do you know, there were like 30 different laws about what pillowcases look like? And it's like, well, yeah, because you want pillowcases to be the same size, right? <laughs> like imagine buying a pillowcase that didn't fit your pillow exactly and that's what or they've got there's a man there's like mandates to what they're allowed to be made of because mm-hmm. you sleep with your face next to them and there was a couple of cases a few years ago when they were made of materials that like globbed and babies were choking to death in their sleep because there was no and manufacturing limit on what the pillowcase could be made out of so babies were choking to death in their sleep yeah and, and that's a good recently... it's a good thing that, that doesn't happen anymore yeah. right <laughs> It and the is. thing is, if there wasn't a regulation in place, companies would still make it with that stuff because it's cheaper. Yeah, and there's like a, I think there's like been like a class action lawsuit or something of like the these mattresses with like microfiber, uh, microplastics inside of them that are like yep. literally like giving people like you know breathing problems and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and the so only way to stop stuff like that from happening is just to tell companies they're not allowed to make it like that. And I bet with chocolates, for uh, chocolates, with chocolate biscuits, for example, or like um, cream-filled biscuits and stuff, there is probably similar regulations of like the legal minimum, like cream you have to need for there it is, yes. to be like a sandwich biscuit, for example. It's why like, we talked about American food being terrible earlier. America's making fun of British people having terrible food. Our laws are a hell of a lot more strict than theirs. And chocolate is a great example where... Have you ever had American chocolate? You have like Hershey's and it, it just, it tastes like calendar chocolate. It's it's so chalky. The only ones I've had that are like American chocolate are like American chocolate with other things in. So I haven't had just like plain American like chocolate. Reese's is fine because it's the peanut butter. But, and here's the thing, chocolate, good chocolate will always melt at one very specific temperature. And do you know mm. what that temperature is, Lucas? I'm not aware of the actual temperature, no. Body temperature. So when you put oh, okay. chocolate in your mouth and it just starts to melt instantly, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why chocolate is so popular. But American companies don't like that because it means you can't ship it. You have to ship it in like refrigerated cup, like trucks, mm. which cost money. You can't store it on shelves that are like in refrigerated locations, which cost money. So they put ingredients in there to make it not melt at room temperature or body temperature, which means the chocolate is chalkier. And in the UK, right. they have laws against doing that because when you say chocolate, chocolate has to melt at body, at body temperature because that's what chocolate is. And, and obviously, you legally yeah. can't sell chocolate that doesn't have the rec- like the legal amount of chocolate in it. Like, yeah, body temperature, not room temperature, because obviously it, we, sorry, do, yeah. we do store our chocolate on just shelves yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah. But if anyone's ever had, like, you know, they wonder why, like, sometimes, like, American, like, Hershey's just, you take a bite and it's really chalky in your mouth. 
Mm. It's because it's not melting because it's designed not to because it's cheaper to sell it like that. And there's no <laughs> rules in America about selling it as chocolate. Whereas over here, you legally can't sell milk chocolate. That doesn't have at least, I think, 65% cocoa powder con- content. Otherwise, it's not legally chocolate. Right, yeah. And I know this because our friend works for Nestle. No, sh- secrets, Carl. Big secrets. Okay. He's, one of the, he's, a t- <laughs> he's a taste scientist for Nestle. Um. But Carl, I, I, you, you mentioned it earlier. We didn't get to number five on the list. This is favourite again. Okay, number five was the chocolate hobnob. Well, the chocolate hobnob should be better than the high. Like, it should be high. I think the only reason chocolate hobnobs aren't higher is the more expensive. It's a brand, right? I just had a bit of a technical issue there for one second. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my recording just betraying me because I clicked on the wrong thing. The snafu, yes, of course. Um, but I'm getting up my notes here, and I guess we can agree then that for now we're going to put like. A, a side note of like the chocolate hobnob probably should be on there. The chocolate hobnob should be number one. The problem is, is it's a brand and that brand is quite expensive. Like a packet of chocolate hobnobs is one or two quid. I mean, unless I'll you get give, on like special. I'll give you top five, but I'm not sure I, I would agree that it needs to be number one. No, I think like, it'd be higher than the chocolate digestive just in terms of like, you know, it mouthfeel because hobnobs, they don't melt. Because here's the thing we're talking here specifically about dipping biscuits in tea, which. Like Americans or might coffee. not get because like dipping stuff in hot drinks is not really a thing over there, mm-hmm. and I think the, that's another reason why like chocolate hob, chocolate covered biscuits work so well because the chocolate starts to melt a little bit, mm-hmm. and then a little bit of the chocolate goes into your tea, and your tea gets a little bit sweeter. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever met someone who doesn't like putting biscuits in tea and how fucking miserable they must be? <laughs> I've, I, I can't I can't say I've made a mental note of anyone that doesn't like to. I've had people before be like. I'm not in the mood to dunk a biscuit. But have you ever seen someone who like think oh. you shouldn't dip anything I, in tea? I don't think so. No, because that sounds like a sad life. It's that fancy restaurant I worked in because we had like do you know those coffee biscuits, those lotus biscuits. Oh, which I, I really mean, like lotus biscuits. Lotus biscuits co- are making it onto the list, especially if you dip them into coffee as well because they're per- they are so good. I have I've got a little espresso machine and mm-hmm. I've got a packet of lotus biscuits next to it, and that, sometimes an espresso with a lotus biscuit, and you dip it in the lotus biscuits. But I was that. doing that because obviously at the start of my shift, I want some sugar, I want some coffee, and dip in my lotus. And then some woman just went, if you did that in Italy, they'd like, you know, they won't be happy. And it's like, well, it's good job I'm not in Italy then, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's the start of an 11-hour shift. I need some sugar <laughs> and some caffeine. <laughs> Fuck you. But I didn't say that. I said, sorry, madam. It's just the way that I like it. Yeah, of course. And I, I hate people who judge how other people like food. Of course, yeah. It's like the don't, whole thing like steaks and stuff like that. It's like, just let people like what they like. Don't yuck other people's yums is how mm-hmm. I've heard it That's stated. And I'm like, yeah, just leave people to their own eating habits. Just yeah. you do I know you. We, yeah. I know we've made fun of Americans, but I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying it's the hypocrisy of making fun of British food when their food is like, no, so American food could not legally be sold over here because it <laughs> falls below the legally mandated limit of what that food's allowed to be. It's the chicken in a can that always gets me. Chlorinate a chicken. Don't yeah. forget chlorinate a chicken mm-hmm. or like the 16 different dyes in their M&Ms that aren't allowed to be used over here, <laughs> which is why American M&Ms and British M&Ms look different because mm-hmm. they legally can't use some of the colorers, uh, the colorings they use over here. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm going to put Lotus on there. We're not ranking them just yet, but I want to get like a short list for yeah, us. The, and... the Lotus biscuit, I think, but only with coffee. It doesn't go well with tea, but it's such a good like, biscuit. I... In terms of a Dunkin' Biscuit, yeah, it, it the flavour just matches up so much better and complements coffee so much better than it's it like does it was, tea. It was, it was built for it. 
It, it does seem like it, yeah. And like I can't, if I go I, to a cafe and I order a coffee and they don't give me like that little packet of two lotus biscuits, yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so I can't remember like what the generic um, like flavor of lotus is, like it's the like genericized version. Because um, there are lotus biscoff biscuits, but then like for someone who might not know, like what just biscotti. Because is it biscotti? Just, is that the flavor? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's like one of those of just I can't remember the genericized term for them, but we'll go with the brand version and just say Lotus Biscuits. That's as well. I think that's impressive that the brand version is just it's like hobnobs in it. Like there's no one else making them hobnobs. Well, that's the thing. You know, you go to like Little or Aldi over here, and, and they've got their version, you will yeah, find but... their version of them. And same with like Oreos. It's like. Oreos is a type of biscuit, but the brand is more famous than the type of biscuit itself. Yeah, and I know someone in chat's going to say, uh, I know that Oreos are the rip-off of Hydrox. Hydrox yes. were the original, yeah, yeah. Oreos ripped them off. So, wh- where do you rate Oreos, then? Uh, I don't like them. Because they're I not British I, biscuits. Nope, I so. don't like this push of like Americanized stuff. Of like, They don't work, they work well in milk. Mm-hmm. They, they certainly work well being dipped in milk, but... Dipping in tea and coffee, just they're not good for it. Because they you know, crumble. They crumble way too much. It's one of those of like, I'm sure Lotus is probably not British either. But um, I'm, it gets I'm going. Because I said it goes in coffee. I'm going for the, like, if it's available to buy in Britain, like, what biscuits <laughs> do we have access to? Yeah. We have access don't... to Lotus biscuits. We have access to Oreos. Like, Oreos do not even deserve to be on that. Like, they they don't work well into they're too small as well. Like you try and dip an Oreo and it falls apart and then like your fingers crunch and it falls in. I mean, don't get me wrong, dunkability is a big part of this for a British person. It is. But like it's not the be all and end all. And I think like Oreos are still nice biscuits and I do prefer like the double stuff because the the cream yeah. that they use is like again, it's that like it feels like they're meeting the bare minimum to call it yeah. a sandwich biscuit. I think they are okay. I just don't think they work well because they're too crumbly. I don't think I've yeah. ever opened a packet of Oreos and, like, the edges of all of them have just like, been, like, through the fucking ringer. I don't know what the difference is, but, like, it feels as though they're, you know, obviously uh, Americans dunk them in the milk. Yeah. And it feels like they're built for that rather than, like, in tea or coffee. There's something about, like, I guess I it the being, heat. like, a heat. The I think heat the heat of it makes, makes it just dissipate more, yeah. Yeah, and just they fall apart instantly, and there's nothing worse than you put one into a tea. I've tried it, obviously. Put it into a tea, and it disintegrates. You've got to do, so, like, the poof, and just, yeah. like, the quick dunk. It's like even rich tea biscuits, which are, like, the floppiest, most flaccid of all the bits, even they can survive one dip. They get, like, a second or two in there before they start crumbling, yeah. And I will say, have you ever tried chocolate-covered rich tea? They're really good. Rich tea, I think, like... They get shit on because they're really thin, but they're really nice. But again, I think, like, just in terms of how bad they are for dunking, like, it does put them down there. That's it, but the chocolate-covered ones, like, make up for that, where it's like the chocolate gives it it a bit more, like, structural stability. Plus as well, rich tea are really nice, they're really buttery. Mm -hmm. They've got all that really buttery taste. Like, whenever I think rich tea, they look like my forehead does right now. That sheen of, like, just (laughs) oil. And I always think oh. of my granddad's house as well when I get a rich tea. But I get, like, you know, I think just rich tea is a bit... In terms of, like, top five, it's a bit too bland. It's, it's, it might it's a bit be too number, basic. It might be number five just because 
You want me to put it on the shortlist? I think just on the shortlist because what about if your grandma comes around? Or, like, you know, an older person who doesn't like any of this newfangled chocolate nonsense? You, well, always... you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not having people no, like... No. Do you know what rich tea is? Rich tea is the margarita pizza. Oh, Do you know you always, you've got you've got to have, order one or have one in when you're having a pizza party. Just like one person who doesn't like adventure. So, but <laughs> it's true. What's the chocolate digestive then? Because isn't that the margarita pizza? I say the chocolate digestive it's like is the like pepperoni. No, it's the four cheese. The four it's the four cheese. cheese. <laughs> so, you know, some you know, you the people out there like, oh, I don't like any of this other cheese. And um, I, you know, finally get into this list though, Carl. Okay, keep going. The I, think number... I love that we have these because it's always so pointless. Yeah. The number one that they've listed is apparently the biscuit that made it to the moon. And do you know what that biscuit is? I'm going to get his cake. I'll be a crumbly one. If it's crumbly, uh, it won't be a Semi-crumbly, I would argue. It's, it's, it gets a bit crumbly, but not too bad. The biscuit that made it to the moon. Is it going to be something like a Garibaldi? No, no, no. What was it then? Um, it is the bourbon, the bourbon, the bourbon biscuit. I don't mind bourbon biscuits. I just think they don't. They're just very they one note. They don't taste as nice as they look. Yeah, because they it's, look like they should taste so chocolatey, but they don't. Because it's like chocolate on chocolate. There's just there's no adventure in them. Yeah, it's just they, one note. They look like they should taste better than they are. Yes. And I think that's like the thing, like when you see a bourbon biscuit, you're like, oh, I bet that tastes really chocolatey. And you take mm-hmm. a bite and you're like, it's all right. And yeah, like, you know, similar, the the, the bourbon biscuit and the um, the custard cream is like the chocolate and vanilla version of one another. And both of them, to me, kind of, yeah, just fall in that boringness category of like... Exactly. Before you continue, I just looked up Rich Tea. And just, a fact about Rich Tea Biscuits, in 2011, Prince William chose a groom cake for his wedding reception made from 1,700 Rich Tea Biscuits and 17 <laughs> kilos of chocolate. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, as, as if he couldn't get any more fucking boring. <laughs> just... Just thousands of rich tea fucking biscuits. Yeah. But um yeah, like I I just I think the varieties upon them are much more exciting for like you know, if you've ever had um say for example like the um is it like the crunch creams or whatever where it's like the more gingery biscuits yeah, with the, the cream s- filling or something and just the sandwich to biscuits, yeah. There's a lot of variety there. And I say there I'd rather have them on because Oreos just feel like them but not as good. Because like I think the butteriness of the sandwich biscuits so I think they mm. are made of the same stuff as rich tea biscuits. And I think the last time we had this conversation I said there's the secret top tier one that no one ever talks about. And it's Lion's um, uh, orange sandwich biscuits. Yes, yeah. Which are amazing. Mm-hmm. Not chocolate orange, just orange. Wait, it's just orange creme. Yeah, like the so orange they're, they're cream. More, yeah, because Oreos like there's two dry. The biscuit part of the Oreo is the worst part. You're only eating it for the filling. Whereas I think like sandwich biscuits because they're made like that really nice like buttery mm-hmm. biscuit, like the rich tea base with the cream on top. They they work much better for dunking because like then the butter they and the, the fat from the biscuit goes into your tea. And you get that lovely like oil slick style sheen on top of your tea. Yeah, and they really really do hold up for dunking purposes. They do. And that, like, I mean, we have to come to a decision of, like, which sandwich biscuit we would put on. I'd say just a regular custard cream. But it's, again, 
See, again, like I don't like this traditional mood you're going for, Carl. I would say like maybe like the the crunch cream where it's like the ginger biscuits. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at crunch cream. Um, it's the one I'm thinking. I believe of, it's. I believe it's ginger biscuits. Actually, sorry. okay, they are pretty fucking top tier. Because mm-hmm. I think ginger nuts. I don't like ginger nuts. See, I really like ginger nuts, cream. but I wouldn't argue that ginger nuts are like top tier. They are for me, but like I understand that they're a bit more of a qu- acquired taste. Yeah, but Fox's Crunch Cream and things. Like that, I'm looking at that. That is so much more like stuffed than an Oreo. Yeah, a lot more. Well, that's how it's fucking done. Um, and oh, oh, yeah, okay. I'm getting myself because I just clicked on like the uh, Crunch Cream website from like Fox's Biscuits and is uh, the like chocolate the diff- orange ones and the ginger ones. And this is a dangerous game, so I'm just gonna put Crunch Creams if if you're okay to agree with that. I, I of all the sandwich biscuits, I feel like it's adventurous enough where uh, it'll satisfy the more discerning palate, but no one's gonna complain. Ginger nuts are already such a a staple. Mm-hmm. And I think it's they're not quite where, like, you, ginger nuts, but they're very similar. Yeah, it's one where like your mum or dad pick it up and go, "Ooh, just one." It's yeah. one of those, isn't it? And I think that means it can never be number one. So a good biscuit would always be you always got to have at least two. Because a good biscuit is that you have the first one, and then you go, "Ooh, it's one more," and that's how you know it's a good one. When people just go, "Just one more," <laughs> and that's what you want. It's one of those ones where you end up with one left on the plate, and no one wants to take it because they're too polite. Yeah. And um. I like I was going down here and it's like number two on their list is the uh, the, the the original digestive biscuit it's, and then it, number three is just the traditional hobnob. Yeah. Like, the traditional like, digestive is pointless. Its existence is completely just made obsolete by the existence of the chocolate covered digestive. And then as well, I would argue that both digestives are like again, as we said earlier, they are just lesser versions of the hobnobs. It reminds me a little bit of the idea of what's that? The Bakewell tart, where mm. the tr- the Bakewell tart people Americans don't know it is a uh, an almond and jam tart with um, ice cream on top, and then a little glacier cherry in the middle. Well, that's and the um, that's the, the version, Mr. Mr. Kipling's. Kipling version. So, yeah, and that is not traditionally how they're made. That is the, how the company Mr. Kipling's make them. A traditional Bakewell tart is just an almond and jam tart with no toppings on top. And if you mm-hmm. go to Bakewell, they will have signs in every fucking <laughs> window telling you a traditional Bakewell tart doesn't have icing on it. It doesn't have cherries. This, and you look at it and it looks so sad. It's like, yeah, they took a Bakewell tart and made it better. What are you mad you about? Look, it's like the cheeseburger, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like saying like, oh, a real burger doesn't have cheese on it. And goes, well, it fucking should. It tastes way better. <laughs> so, and- Thank you for the Bakewell tart. We'll take it from here. Yeah. The the digestive biscuit basically just got improved upon with the hobnob. And it's, yeah. for anyone wondering, it's like um it's like a flapjack meets a digestive biscuit. Yeah. It is like the gas streetlight of the biscuit world of like, okay, <laughs> we do, it served a purpose until we had something better. Now we do. We can get rid of it. We can phase it out. Yeah. And, you know, one of the weird things is... Um, people get like weird about this because it's like McVitty. It says here introduced the hobnob in 1985, mm-hmm. whereas like a lot of people, you know, our age, because like again, they must have just hit the gates running with the hobnob biscuit. Yeah. Like even when I was young, it was considered like a staple biscuit. 
but it's not an old traditional biscuit. It's like nope. quite relatively new. Now the dressing, the digestive's good. It's just not as good as chocolate digestives. Mm-hmm. Because I think if I want to, I think a biscuit for me is a treat, and if it's a treat, you might as well have fucking chocolate on it. Like a biscuit <laughs> with that doesn't have like some extra. If it's the plain ass biscuit, what's the point? If I'm mm. having like an extra 150 calories from eating this thing, put some chocolate <laughs> on it. So yeah, we've already got chocolate hobnob in the shortlist, and damn right. Then number four they've got here is a, uh, you know, one that's the pronunciation is up in the air. And okay. do you know which one that is, Carl? Is that the Garibaldi? No, no, no. Squash fly biscuits. No. Nice the pronunciation. Biscuit. Yeah, the the Nice biscuits, nice which biscuits, are named after the the city in France, which is Nice. But, but people collo- see the word nice written on a biscuit and they're like, nice biscuits. They're colloquially known as the nice biscuits, yes. And people, get again, they get arsy about it. And it's like, well, don't you know it's a place in France called Nice? No, I grew up on a fucking council estate. <laughs> that's the thing. That's what gets me. Like, don't you know it's a place in France? It's like, no. And are you, the, the nice biscuits are about that. They're, they're nice. They're not great. That's the thing as well. I, I I made this joke last time. Of I don't like them on the fact that they say nice on there and they're not that nice. <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. Um, but I will say, I, like, I keep mentioning Garibaldi biscuits. I really like Garibaldi biscuits. I fucking hate Garibaldi biscuits. Like people either love them or hate them because they've got raisins in them. And I know mm-hmm. like raisin brand cookies are like the joke of like, oh, raisins, not chocolate, not um, chocolate chips. It's yeah, like, dead grapes. Oh, I, I like raisins. Don't want dead grapes in my biscuit cup. Exactly, but I like raisins, and I think Gary Baldwin biscuits, especially when they're like because they're rock hard as well. But then the raisins, when you put them in tea, oh soak God. up a little bit of the tea, and they go a bit soft. No, get, not a fan. And at all. for that reason, they can't be in the top five because they can't be at all. Too contentious. The way like you know, as much as I'm saying, let's not go for the safe picks. I'm not going that far out and controversial. It's like you can't. I hate them. And if, if, if half of this podcast says they hate them, they can't go in the top. That's I really do like though, um, uh, Gary Baldy biscuits, especially the traditional ones that are really long. Yeah, I we know got what you mean, we got yeah. snap a bit off because that's again, it's that thing about you put one on the table and then you snap bits off, and it's a <laughs> like a communal thing. Um, the communal biscuit died when COVID happened. Carl, let's get it rid. Did. Let's kill off the Garibaldi and one one that I really like here, uh, the Viennese Whirl. Yeah, I think that's for me is because um, that's shortbread, right? It's shortbread with it's, cream it's in it. It's shortbread, but like, well, you the, I don't think the whirls are the ones with creams in, right? I think they're just the biscuit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a soft, soft pastry of shortbread wrapped in a swirling shape. Okay, and I will say, you know what, the Viennese whirl is the chocolate digestive to the digestive of shortbread. I don't like shortbread, but a Viennese mm. whirl. I can be tempted to have a Viennese whirl. They're just a bit lighter. Yeah, that's the, I don't know what it is about them. I think it's the shape. Because it's not like a fucking house brick. <laughs> yeah. It's like, when my mum gets shortbread, right, she gets it delivered from Scotland every year for Christmas, and she and she puts it on the d- the table and there's weight to it. There's, yeah. what, there's density to it. And it's like, like, I don't want to have that going through my colon. A traditional block of, like, Scottish shortbread fingers. Like, they could fucking knock you out. They can, yeah. But uh, yeah, the the Viennese whirl. I'm gonna. Uh, should we just put them like again, shortlist wise? I'll say like if we need a uh, yeah, we need a though a uh, a plain biscuit. If you're not going to allow, I think the plain biscuit should go on and malted milks. 
It was like I, square. I, just just, I, I know what model milk is. I just don't think they're impressive enough to make a top five. Really? Okay. I guess the Lotus Biscuit would be the, the plain one, I suppose. Yeah, Lotus Biscuit is pretty plain. It's just off the just the flavour alone. Just a little bit of cinnamon, isn't it? Yeah, and jazzing it up a little bit, we have the Jammy Dodger. Thing is, though, I hate Jammy Dodgers, but I will concede that a lot of people like Jammy Dodgers. A lot of people do, but I think... Um, the jam cream is just a better version. Yeah, and that's the, it's just the jammy dodger with cream in it. It's like the, why the jammy you not dodgers. I don't like them, but there are enough versions of a jammy dodger. Like, there's a marmalade one that I mm. really like because I like citrus flavoring. Like the marmalade jammy dodger is fucking top tier, and it's like mm-hmm. only they sell it around. Oh, I remember one year like, for Halloween they did lime marmalade, which was really Ooh. nice. It had a really nice tartness to it. Um, it was really nice. I want to show you a picture, Carl, because like well, for shortbread biscuits. Like, you know, he's got he's got the ultimate the, shortbread, like this eight is, kilo of shortbread. This is the picture they use for shortbread biscuits, and I think these kind of biscuits would do a much better job of like justifying it. Oh, it's nice and thin, rolled like, real thin, like like a, like a biscuit, like a traditional biscuit, like a nice thin, like cookie shape, yeah, shortbread biscuit, rather than like the really thick, stodgy fingers of them. And it's like that's where I think shortbread is nicer like i agree that if you again i don't think we can make them top tier because Mm -hmm. of the inconsistency and like how much of it is just like yeah these big dry blocks of shortbread a lot of the time it's like yeah viennese world seems like a a better more consistent version for us yeah the only thing i'm going to put forward though if you're going to get real specific Mm. do you know those like i've got the picture here right do you you go to tesco you got the bakery section and then those little paper bags that have four cookies in them those are good. Do you know those like? I'm gonna send you a picture. Like, you know what I mean by this. This is not well, the brand. This is not like, the kind I, know, I mean. I know that like that's getting very specific. Of like the bag of <laughs> biscuits from Tesco's. Well, in do a you bag. know what they make? Because but that's just like cookies, right? But they're so- they're cookies that are just, they're not quite cooked, so they're still soft in the middle. So they taste yeah, that, a little bit like but, cookie dough. Like that's just a soft cookie. Yeah, cause I really don't like cookies being rotten, but I like those are really good. They are, and like I really like softer cookies. Yeah, they're very satisfying. And like mm-hmm. when you when you like go to break them, and they have that little bit of squidge in them. Yeah, it's and like they, when they you don't like... snap; they like just give. Yeah, and then tear, and it's like and always oh, have, satisfying. And they, and they always have like really good, like big, big chunky chocolate chips in there. Mm. They're really nice. Big. Whenever I see them on special, I always get them, and I have one. I break it in half in the morning and I've one with my morning coffee. And then after I've done my workout, I have the next bit and I'm like, that's it. And, I deserve uh, that. Uh, like, you know, we're, we're getting along in the tooth here, so I'm not going to go through all 13. But mm-hmm. one, like, you know, special mention they have here is a, uh, the Pink Panther wafer bars. And again, wouldn't consider like a wafer bar as a biscuit. It's a nice snack that you could have with a cup of tea. But it, thing it's you give not to, a biscuit. thing you give to kids to shut them up. It's a way, well, and me. You could give them yeah. to me and I'll show up. Like, but, like, they're a wafer bar. They're not a biscuit. Oh, my God. I was just looking at the, the Tesco ones, and they've got the branded <laughs> ones that have Jaffa cakes in them. Oh. They've got the Jaffa cake, Jaffa orange, and the Galaxy ones. And it's like, oh, the Galaxy ones are so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, and bounty that's the ones. Thing is like, bounty it, ones with coconut in. It's, it's, like, it's difficult because how specific do you get of, like, do we get as specific as, like, Jaffa cake soft cookies from Tesco. Like I don't think we can get that 
defined. I think maybe for another one of these, we should do chocolate bars. Because mm, yeah, chocolate yeah. bars are a very... So I know, when you go to the shop and it's like, do you want a chocolate bar? And someone says, yeah, I want this one. And like, I th- feel like people get way more aggressively defensive over the chocolate bars they like. And that thing is, I, I only wanted to bring this back up because like literally earlier today, I was like coming to this and just like just before we recorded just we've got like a nice box of those like you know chocolate foxes biscuits on the the table and i just like went and picked one and was like i want to talk about biscuits again i want to but i want to rank them they're really good yeah um and you know what like i would argue here that from the ones we've gone through i have thought one we've not mentioned oh, okay. i was just looking yeah the gingerbread man gingerbread not ginger you, biscuits, gingerbread men. Yes. Do you consider gingerbread to be like a, a good... Do you think it deserves to stand alongside other biscuits? Like Jaffa cakes aren't allowed in, but are gingerbread men allowed in? Because when I was a little kid... Well, it's a biscuit. Get, getting a gingerbread man and dipping him in my tea. Like you dip his leg in. It's like, oh, no, he lost his leg. Like it is a biscuit. Yeah, man. Like I, I, would, I would not disqualify a gingerbread man. Good. I love gingerbread men. So gingerbread men, like that thing. I didn't think of gingerbread men because they're obviously a seasonal thing normally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a gingerbread man, like you, you know, you've I've watched Shrek. That man snaps. He's got that snap to him. He I goes soft when he's stale. I'll still never forget though when like shops just started calling them gingerbread people. Mm-hmm. It's like that thing of like, well, it's just calling gingerbread people because I think just be more inclusive and like right wingers lost their mind. And it's like, oh, yeah. do you want to put a dick on there or something? <laughs> Would it make you happy if you put dicks on them? Oh, God. It's just, it's so funny when you come across stories like that and it's like, okay, yeah, we're the snowflakes. Got it. Yeah, sure. it's that thing like, no one actually gives a shit. Yeah. It's like the thing, it's like happy holidays, isn't it? It's like, I've never met anyone who's actually bothered by that except weirdos. Like, well, it's Christmas time. He goes, well, what about if I celebrate Hanukkah? Like, yeah, they're not offended by the words. They're offended by the idea that, like... They're not well, the only ones being included. Yeah, we're not as important anymore. And, it's and like, that's, that's all it comes down to. Is it's not yeah. that they don't care about the change. They just care that they're not the most important anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so far on our shortlist, uh, we've yes. got Chocolate Hobnob, Lotus Biscuits, Rich Tea, Crunch Creams, Viennese Whirl, I just put soft cookies mm-hmm. um, as like the genericized version of your Tesco bag. Yeah. And then gingerbread men. If we want to kick one of them out, we can only have one sandwich wafer. So I think we're going to have to kick out the, um, the I'd say the crunch cream. Because that way we've soft. Only, we've, we've only got one sandwich cookie. Oh, like the sandwich Viennese biscuit. Whirl. The Viennese is it... Whirl is like, there's the Viennese sandwich biscuit version. Ah, oh, the Viennese World's on The Viennese World is like just the shortbread pastry. Like I say, if we're going to have that, then you can kick out the rich tea because that's just the representative yes. of the plain biscuit. I'll I'll accept it, that. And that I was going to a... say the like maybe the the top one in terms of like a how much we agreed upon it and b how much I like the flavour is maybe the Lotus biscuit. I think yeah, Lotus biscuit is one of those ones where, and as well because they're small enough where. I I talk. I don't have much sugar anymore. Mm-hmm. A lotus biscuit is just smart. I think they're like sixty calories. Right. Like I can justify having a lotus biscuit and a coffee in the morning and not feel bad about it. If I get like three, four chocolate digestives, that's like four hundred calories. Yeah. <laughs> that's really hard to justify. But like you know, a couple of lotus biscuits is like a hundred calories. It's like okay. And again, there's a reason why they package them as those little, like two double biscuit servings. Like I know a lot of biscuits do that. 
but like it just makes so much sense with the lotus over just two little biscuits dunk in your coffee have a little snack it feels like as well it's the one where they're not lying about how much you should have do you yeah. know when you see, like, you get, like, a, a cake and it says, serve 16, like, fuck off it does. <laughs> Lotus Biscuits have never lied to us about how many it serves. It's like, you have two. Mm-hmm. And you have two, and you're like, That's a, that was a nice amount. You don't feel like you're being greedy when you have Lotus Biscuits, when you have two. But if and I the have, thing like, is, a, though, a second, like, Viennese Whirl or a second, like, big cookie, I do feel a bit greedy. Yeah, and, like, but the thing is with Lotus Biscuits is, like, I've had one of those days before where, like, I've had the entire packet next to me, like, the <sighs> proper packet, and they are so Moorish that you just start like annihilating. That's that, the problem as well. Pack. It's like they're not they're not Moorish until you dip them in coffee. And the instant there's just something about <laughs> when they're dipped in coffee, and I think that deserves some credit off for dipping biscuits. The fact they taste better when they're dipped. And plain, but I can I, give I, or take. Dipped in my plain, coffee, it's like fucking unstoppable. They're still quite Moorish to me, but yeah, in coffee, holy crap, they are like top top tier. And I just again, found as well, I'm not gonna make... I'm not gonna label this list. The top five British biscuits. I'll label it top five biscuits that you can get in Britain. Oh, Matt Lucas, there's a, a restaurant somewhere that does a one kilo biscoff biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine ordering that? Do you know the thing as well about biscoffs? They've never felt the need to mix it up. They're so yeah, confident. Yeah. Like You can obviously get chocolate covered ones, but you go to a shop, it's just them. Mm-hmm. They don't. Like, they're confident in their branding and their flavor. It's like we know you like this. We don't need to add any no bells, no whistles. Just the flavor you know and love. And yeah, it really is. And it's also just the flavor is so nice that like you know you can go and make like the 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 Lotus Biscoff cheesecake like incredible. The just buying the Lotus spread as well. Like the Lotus Biscoff spread is like crack. I think I've looked at this and there doesn't appear to be any other kinds of like they do like different shapes. Like yeah, it's just Lotus ones. biscuits. They're just that good. The closest I've got is like there's one like they did as a a one off. They do like the Biscoff cream, which seems to be oh, like yes, you know, yeah. it doesn't seem to be sold much anymore. But for the most part, it's just Biscoff. Mm-hmm. I think that says something. Yeah, the fact that they're so confident, they don't need to fucking change it. It's like Reese's Pieces in it in America. Mm. They never had to fucking change. They change the shape. They'll change like you know the serving size or like you know the way it's delivered. But ultimately, flavor stays exactly. Are you thinking same. of the, the peanut butter cups? Do you mean? Yeah, they'll they'll yeah, change like the way it's delivered. Pieces are like the little like M M&M and M Skittles kind of thing, like yeah. the shell ones. But they never felt the need For to the change cups, the flavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you can get like. Little or large ones, but they're just peanut butter cups. Like, mm-hmm. I think um, you know what for that reason that deserves that deserves some acknowledgement. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna get some now. You've really got. I want, <laughs> I want to get some. So now I've got like a packet of them up there. I'm like, damn it, sponsor us, um, Lotus. Yeah, fucking hell. That's that's one I'll take. Um. So realistically, you know, we've got to get rid of one of the other fives and leave it as like an honourable mention. So, which one would we get rid of? Do you say bourbons in there? No, so we've got chocolate hobnob, crunch creams, Viennese whirls, soft cookies, and gingerbread men. I'd say make gingerbread men the honourable mention. The honourable mention. Because, like, they are seasonal, but Mm -hmm. just there's that thing of, like, just get, like, during Christmas time, we get, like, the little gingerbread men, and it's like, you don't, but it's not so much the flavour of the thing you're eating, it's the fact that it makes me think of Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, you know, I like the flavour of them. I like ginger biscuits. Mm-hmm. 
um, and like ginger biscuits plus a little bit of icing or whatever. Yeah, it's a thing about like, not... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. good as well. Like the just a little bit of royal icing on a gingerbread man. Yeah, like, you don't need all the extra sweets and stuff. Just a bit of royal icing it's is that, great. Yeah, I don't like gingerbread. I think yeah, I don't like gingerbread that much. But the fact that I have it once a year, mm. and that's another thing. Like you know about the British food thing of uh, our food so simple. It's like with good ingredients, food can be simple. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said like the just bread and butter. It sounds bad until you have really good bread and really good butter. Like a really good, just nice bit of gingerbread. Like I said, really nice bit of shortbread. Mm. But it means you've got to spend the money. You've got to spend the money to get the good stuff. And it's only rare, like only Christmas time where I have the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, in terms of like just agreeability then, I think like the other one that we both just like instantly agreed upon is probably just the chocolate hobnob. Chocolate because, hobnob. Because like it's better than our digestive. It holds up better for dunking. It's got more flavor because it's got like that oatiness. Mm-hmm. And also it is just agreeable. Like yeah. most people are going to enjoy a chocolate hobnob. And there, there's enough variations on the chocolate hobnob. Like they've got milk chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate. They kind of have like a little bit of caramel in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's like nice, easy top one and two. Um, And then left, we've got the crunch creams, the Viennese Whirl, and the soft cookies. Uh, I'd say the soft cookie should probably go last. I was thinking that as well. Because it's so like number five. a treat. Soft cookie, and then maybe like the Viennese world goes number four just for like being a bit more of a plain biscuit, yeah. But it's still one of those things like they're still in the treat category mm-hmm. with like chocolate, hobnob, and lotus biscuits. It's just like you can have a packet of those in your house. Well, that's the kind of yeah. thing you go to someone's house, you have a packet, and like no one's gonna have shortbread in year round, really. Not really, no, but like, yeah, a nice little treat every now and then because, yeah, shortbread and especially like Viennese world because they're like. The, the like pastryish shortbread, like mm-hmm. they're very buttery and probably very calorific because of that. Very dense. Yeah, and I'm I'm quite happy with that as a list, to be honest. Of, I'm like, happy with that. Yeah, best best biscuits that we can acquire in Britain, <laughs> made in Germany. Just <laughs> <laughs> things like you think like Lotus. Ooh, it's Italian. They're German. I just looked it up. Yeah, I've, it's a I've, German I've, brand. <laughs> I figured that they were like German or Dutch or something like that. Yeah, Germans making better Italian food than the Italians and selling it to British people. And better British biscuits than British biscuits. That's uh, My heart will always go out to the chocolate digestive, but you gave a stalwart um, uh, defense of its reason not to be included. Like, just because it's consistent doesn't mean it gives you us to be involved. Consistent doesn't mean the best. Exactly, yeah. Like, just because a lot of people like it, a lot of people really like fucking rich tea biscuits, and it's like, they're just boring. Do you know what I think the people who like rich tea biscuits are just old people who just don't like change. <laughs> it's like when old people right. like still refer to Snickers bars as marathon, and it's not been mm-hmm. marathon for 25 years. It's like, get over it. Oh, God. So, yeah, we've got, yeah, Lotus Biscuit, Lotus Biscoff, number one. Chocolate Hobnob, number two. Number mm-hmm. three, Crunch Creams. Number four, the Viennese Whirl. And number five, just the generic soft cookies. Yeah. And obviously cookies to us means, like, l- like very literally, like, when you think of, like, a chocolate chip cookie, like, those yeah. kind of cookies. If I was going to be more specific, it'd be the, um, the ones that are the chocolate. It's the white chocolate and caramel ones. Mm. They have little chunks of caramel in there. I'm going to put big soft cookies as well, because, like, 
just to be more specific of like you know the bigger the, I think like big flat cookies are like the nicer you ones. You know the exact ones I mean as well, don't you? The I ones do. You, the ones you get from Tesco, and then you break. Yeah, yeah. Like I so said, you break them, and they don't snap. And they go. Yeah. Like, you can almost, like, tear them a little bit. It's the ones but, that you have, like, you don't have it on your own with your girlfriend and you split it in half. And then, like, you've got to be a good boyfriend and give him the bigger <laughs> half, but you don't want to give him the bigger half. It's, like, on here, the list of um, one of the, like, top favourite biscuits of the UK is, like, the Maryland cookie. Oh, and it's, they like, they suck. Are, they terrible. suck so much. They They're are, like, like... Gravel. Yeah, they are the, dry. just horrible texture, dry, they're too hard... They're just not satisfying cookies to eat whatsoever. I think they're popular because they're fucking cheap. And as well, because they're, they're, ooh, they're American. They're fancy. Like you said, Maryland cookies suck balls. Yeah, they're awful. And yeah, sorry to like, you know, the the jammy dodger lovers, the, the As I said, yeah, chocolate jammy finger good. lovers, the Jaffa cake lovers, you can fuck off, it's a cake. Yeah, in, on a different day, jammy dodger could have replaced the, um, the crunch cream. But I think it, I would have argued for the jam and cream rather than the jammy yeah. dodger. But there's an, an, an another day we could have argued for that one. So I said the jammy dodger has a lot of variability. Like when you mm. say jammy dodger, like, there's chocolate jammy dodgers as well, and they're good. Like chocolate jammy dodgers are yeah, they've got chocolate in the middle instead, and they're really good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know if um, if you don't agree with hot. Rankings, then let us know in the comments what your favorite mm-hmm. biscuits are that you can buy in Britain. But like, this is our list. And eat, as you say, on a different day, it'd probably be a different list. If I was a bit hungrier, it might be a bit different. But Lotus, the Lotus would be in there. For you also sure. caught me in bulking season. You caught me in like winter <laughs> when, like, you know, my guard's a bit down in regards to unhealthier foods. Oh dear. And sorry that this one has uh, gone on so long. I apologize, Carl, it. for keeping you. But we, it is we needed it. to, we needed to make some arguments, yeah, for some of our favourites, and you know, there's there's probably like twenty biscuits we forgot about because there's that many different variations you can buy. I'm just good with like Garibaldi never gets a look in. It's not one the, of those ones that Garibaldi I mentioned. can go fuck itself. Go fig rolls then. No, you, got, you, fig got, rolls you don't like fig rolls. No, no, I like fig rolls. I think no. as well because my neighbour used to have them. Like my neighbour was just this old man. Oh, and he, he always used to have Garibaldi and fig rolls in, and he used to look after us after school. So we'd go to his house and he'd make us a cup of tea before my parents got home. Just like so raisins and dates and all that, those flavours. And yeah, he was old. That, that. He needed help. Well, I'm not saying don't help like, on nice old people. No, he needed no, need the fibre, but... didn't he? Yeah, he needed the fibre. Oh, that, that, yeah. He needed that prunes to go right True, true, true. But yes, as I say, if you if you disagree with us, which ninety percent of people are going to, then come at us in the comments. But thank yeah. you all for listening. Cheers. Thank you, everyone.